Okay, it's my opportunity to introduce our speaker for this morning. And he is Supervisory Special Agent David J. Levalley. He is married to Denise, who is here. Maybe she'd be willing to stand so we know where you are. We don't want to thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And also his father and mother here and his brother. And I don't know of other family members as well. So for all of the Levalley family, welcome. Uh, they, live, they have three children and live in Northern Virginia. David is currently the supervisor of the FBI Safe Streets Violent Gang Task Force in Washington, D.C. That's a collaborative effort uh, between D.C.'s Metropolitan Police Department, the U.S. Park Service, U.S. Marshal Service to address the issue of violent crime in the District of Columbia. David served in the infantry of the United States Marine Corps, followed by six years as an officer, a police officer for the Harrisburg Police Department. His career in the FBI began in New York in 1996 uh, with the New York City Field Office conducting investigations into the Colombian Caribbean Drug Trafficking Group. Uh, his office was located several blocks from the World Trade Center towers. When the 9-11 attack occurred, he made his way toward Ground Zero, arriving at the North Tower as it fell. He survived by taking refuge in a nearby archway. He has much to share with us this morning about his experience. Would you join me, please, in welcoming Mr. David J. Levalley. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate the invitation to be here, and I am honored and humbled to be speaking in uh, what I believe to be one of the finest first responder network areas in the United States. I lived in uh, Bethlehem when I was working in New York City and uh, got to know some of the Allentown police officers, Bethlehem police officers, uh, fortunately no EMT officers. But I just wanted to highlight uh, one of the statements on the plaque as I heard it, uh, willing sacrifice and service. I think that defines what the first responders do, willing. It's not a constrict constricted uh, group. You have chosen to, to assist others. And uh, we are, as a community, uh, grateful that uh, when we dial 911, we know that help is coming. So thank you for that. Also that, uh, of course, 911 is what we're here to remember. But the, uh, the reality is that every single day you guys are there responding, whether it's a, a World Trade Center attack or a house fire or a bad collision on the freeway, you're there and, and you respond every day. 9-11 um, certainly took its toll and I, I believe there were Lehigh Valley fire companies that responded uh, to Lower Manhattan as that whole event unfolded. Uh, I I think I know from Bethlehem there was, uh, I think from Allentown as well. 
some of the companies went up there. Just to put things in perspective, 343 firefighters from New York City Fire Department died on 9-11, 60 police officers, eight EMTs, and we are not first responders, but there were two FBI agents, Lenny Hatton and John O'Neill. Quite a toll for a single day in service of, of being a first responder. There was other brave acts too, of course. I mean, we remember Flight 93, that uh, where the, the citizens, civilians, uh, had the courage to understand what was going on and take action. 411 first responders on that day lost. So again, we're, we're grateful. I would also mention too that after 9-11, in the 10 years since, we have had almost 6,000 military servicemen and women killed in, in foreign wars in response to that act, that 9-11 uh, acts, 6,000. Uh, one of my responsibilities down in the uh, Washington, D.C. area has been to uh, help with a project called the Wounded Warriors Project, where uh, I visited some of the uh, soldiers that uh, have lost limbs from IEDs, have uh, otherwise been injured, and uh, the federal government has a work program called the Wounded Warriors where they take those individuals going through treatment and uh, try to give them some employment while they're, while they're at Walter Reed Hospital. So I've interacted with some of them as well, and equally brave uh, men and women. Our nation will never be the same. It is a, uh, uh, just a, an image and images that are engraved in this generation, seeing those attacks that ended in the murder of so many people, almost 3,000 people. My story is similar to, to many others. I was uh, working in New York City. Our office was four blocks from the World Trade Center. That day, I had not uh, gotten to the office yet when the first plane started to, to hit. I was en route uh, via 78 and um, started to receive the calls and turned my radio on, my, my work radio, and started to get instructions about how to respond. And one of the instructions that I remember very clearly was that the federal government was setting up on a command post on, at Church and Vesey Streets, which is the northeast side of uh, the World Trade Towers. Uh, New York City police and EMS response firefighters were setting up at uh, Vesey and Broadway, which is uh, the, the northwest side of the World Trade Towers. And that's significant because, as you know, when those towers fell, they, they fell uh, almost straight down, but they shifted just to the west a little bit, uh, which ended up protecting me and the command post that had been set up. Um, as I was driving in, as I was uh, getting these reports, of course, the first plane hit, and there were report, news reports of a plane that hit the World Trade Center. 
you know, there could be a number of reasons why that would happen. Maybe a pilot uh, fell ill or was incapacitated. It had happened before where a plane flew into the Empire State Building. You know, you just, you just didn't know at that point with one plane. But when that second plane hit, everybody knew what was happening. Everybody knew that we were under attack. But still, nobody thought that those buildings would fall. They, they just didn't imagine it, comprehend it. 25,000 people work, worked in each of those towers, 50,000 people total in those towers. It was a regular Tuesday morning. Everybody says, and I can confirm, and everybody knows, it was a beautiful morning. Slight uh, hint of fall in the air, crisp. Um, blue skies it was one of those days when you think nothing can go wrong. Um, at about 10 o'clock, 9.59, really the unthinkable happened. The South Tower fell. For myself, I was just coming into the city. I was actually coming up onto the Pulaski Skyway and getting ready to hit uh, the Holland Tunnel there. Couldn't believe it, because I knew what kind of uh, numbers of people were involved in the collapse of one of those buildings. I knew that there were, was a ring of first responders around those buildings trying to get people out. I had heard the radio transmissions about what they were doing and what, what, how the response was going. But when the South Tower fell, as we heard in the video, there was nothing. It was quiet. And that's because all that communication equipment was up on the South Tower. No communication whatsoever. Got in through the Holland Tunnel, uh, parked my car at, uh, on Church Street. You couldn't drive too close because there was still a sea of humanity coming at me away from the scene. And those first responders, they were still going toward the scene against the traffic. And again in the video, and I'll confirm it, I mean, they, they literally had to push people to the side to, to go to the, uh, to the towers. And all I remember is, uh, I mean, I got out of my car, I put on my bulletproof vest, I had a tactical helmet that I used for some of the raids, and, and I, I remember walking up Church Street towards Vesey because that was the last transmission that I heard, right on the northeast uh, corner of the North Tower. It hadn't, hadn't fallen yet. I knew that I was in to, for a horrific sight because the South Tower had already fallen. I arrived at church in Vesey and uh, it was just confusion. There was no... There were still first responders, you know, herding people away from that site. They were covered in dust. They were still working that site like they would, even though they knew that right on the other side of the North Towers, many of their colleagues and friends had been, had that building collapse on them. I was there probably about 10 minutes. Uh, uh, there were a couple other FBI individuals there. There were a couple other uh, federal agencies and, 
And we were kind of, you know, we were kind of milling around, didn't really know. I mean, we were watching the first responders work. There were a lot of things going on. There, are, there were, uh, of course, the South Tower had fallen, so there was, you know, we were choking in, in uh, smoke and, and pulverized cement. Um, from where we were, right at the bottom, we could not, you know, we didn't have the, the benefit of a lens all the way up to the top of the North Tower, but, you know, we were, we heard these uh, crumpled thumps of what later turned out to be individuals that took their own life as they jumped from the building. We didn't understand some of that stuff. They weren't landing on the street. They were, you know, there was a base around the tower and they were, they were landing there, but, but we understood what was, what was occurring up so many, uh, uh, so high in, up in the sky. After about 10 minutes, the, uh, there was a shift in, there was still a lot of people coming out of that building. I just couldn't understand where all these people were coming. It was still like a crowd moving down the street. The, there was a collective gasp and we understood very quickly that that tower was falling. And from church in Vesey, I ran probably about half a block before the, the noise of that collapsing tower. And I've, I've never been in a tornado. People say, you know, if you're in a big tornado, it sounds like a, um, a freight train coming, but it sounded like a freight train. And there was debris hitting all over. And it got to a point where I thought, well, I, I'm not gonna outrun this thing. So I ducked into a, uh, an archway to a building. It was one of the little New York bodegas there and, and uh, just kind of huddled up against the wall. Um, there were other people that had done the same thing. And we just, we sat there. And I believe from the noise and from the, the smoke and just the, the crashes, uh, that were going on out on the street of chunks of concrete and steel. This was it. This is how I'm going to go. This is, this is where I'm going to meet my maker. That noise lasted for quite a while, and then it died down. We still couldn't see much. It was so black, so dusty. And we... We, the noise kind of stopped and myself and the other people that had kind of taken shelter there in that little enclave uh, stepped out, looked around and, and again my thought was to return to church in Vesey because I had just met some of my colleagues there. There, there really wasn't a command post uh, but uh, I went to church in Vesey. There was nothing. It was virtually buried although as I said the brunt of that fall fell toward the New York City command post, which was just at Broadway and Vesey. And the bulk of that rubble pile really filled in over on the, the west side as opposed to the north side. The rest of that day was just confusion. I mean, there were... Uh, 
There was no comms. There was no cell phone. Earlier, in, uh, when the planes had hit the communication or hit the towers, I had made one call to my wife. I said, honey, I don't think I'm going to, I won't be home this evening. Not that I thought at that point that I was going to die, but I understood that there were some long days ahead. And that was the last thing she heard from me. She knew I was at the bottom of the towers, but uh, there were no comms, no, no way to get word out. You know, in, I, in uh, 2001, we still had beepers. Beeper, you know, they weren't working. Nothing was working. So that day, we, you know, there was, there was really a sense of helplessness, hopelessness, because we were there, the firemen were there, police were there, but we just had this rubble pile burning. And uh, there had been, right after the collapse, and we saw uh, the video on, uh, on it, there had been a small group that had made it out. So we thought that there was hope, but we had no way to penetrate that rubble fire. There was just, it was still burning, uh, burning very badly. And while we policed up the, the sides of it, there was no way, nothing we could do to, to really look for survivors uh, inside that, that main heap. It, the, the fires burned uh, all day. They burned into the night. We, uh, again, um, you know, we, we stood with some of the firemen. The firemen had lost a lot of their brothers and sisters. And they, had, they, they were angry, and they were in mourning, and they couldn't do anything. And, you know, firemen, they want to do. They want to make something happen. They couldn't do it. It was too big of a problem, too big of, a, of an incident. The following days for myself, the site started to get organized. Initially, a few days went uh, by, and then uh, everybody was kind of on the bucket brigades where we uh, tried to find survivors. You know, we, we had these long lines, and we didn't really want to get heavy equipment in there because of potential for uh, a survivor, maybe trapped in a stairwell, but we just, it was all by hand, it was all digging. And during that time, some engineers had put lasers on some of the buildings next to that rubble pile, uh, some of the other skyscrapers that hadn't fallen, only because with the loss of those two twin towers, some of the, the structural uh, engineering of the towers, they were kind of interconnected. And they were afraid that some of those towers would fall, some of those skyscrapers. So they, would, they had these lasers on the, build, uh, on the buildings. And every time a building, uh, as you know, they, they move anyway. I don't know how that works. But any time one of those buildings moved farther than what was within their specifications, a horn went off. And all these lines of diggers beat feet out of that debris field and waited because there was some indication that the, the buildings were going were gonna to collapse beside them. One other building did collapse on the day of 9-11, building number seven. Nobody was in it, uh, but I still remember the, the working that debris field, looking for survivors. 
hand digging, putting things into buckets, passing those buckets down and, and uh, hearing those horns go off and scattering uh, for protection. But when that building fell, I really, really thought that that was it for me. I thought I was, that was the end of the road. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't, uh, it was just a sense of resignation that this is where I'm going to meet my maker. I wasn't afraid because back in 1985, I had trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I knew that if that's where I met, if that's where I died, I would be in heaven. And ultimately, that is um, the most important rescue of all, is what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross for us to provide a way for us to approach God and be holy, be seen as holy because of what Christ did on the cross. The Bible in Hebrews says it is appointed for men once to die and then judgment. Everybody in this room will die unless the Lord comes back first. And everybody in this room will face Almighty God to be judged with what they have done with their life, particularly with what they have done with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have a problem. All of us have born into sin. And we, just as myself and the firefighters were frustrated and helpless at 9-11 to do anything, in our sin condition, we are helpless to help ourselves. And the only person that can help us is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible in Isaiah says that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way. We, our relationship with God was broken because of the introduction of sin in the human race. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody is going to bridge that gap between a sinful man and God without that ultimate rescuer, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the work that he did on the cross for us. Some verses in Romans from the Bible also says, uh, you know, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And that God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were separated from God. And we had no way of bridging that gap without a sinless Savior taking our place and enduring the wrath of God on that cross in our place. So for me, if I had died on 9-11... I knew that the second part of that verse where it says, and then comes the judgment, 
I knew I could stand before Almighty God, not because of anything I did, but because of what the Lord Jesus Christ had done on the cross. But the Lord Jesus is not just a rescuer. He's also a friend. He doesn't just save us and then leave us. He is our friend. And he goes through life with us. Uh, He makes life enjoyable. And when we come to our own personal tragedies and losses and grievances, he gives us strength. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to follow him. And he wants us to to live a life pleasing to him. He doesn't just say rescue us and then leave us. He wants a relationship with us. So all of us go through things that exceed our ability to deal with. These are the things that keep us up at night. These are relationships that cannot be mended or seem not to be able to be mended. Financial difficulties, maybe a job, Uh, or lack of a job in these days. Loss of a home, foreclosure on your home. Those are the kind of things that keep you up. Health issues. We heard about one where we um, are reliant on God in the present day to sustain us through these difficulties, through these things that we can't deal with on our own. In the last couple of weeks, I mean, we've had earthquakes, hurricanes, flooding, and you may be the victim of some of those, but if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you have an advocate, you have a friend that uh, you can rely on. Philippians 4 in the Bible says that, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds. This is the peace that you can rely on God when you're worried about a child who maybe is not uh, following the Lord or who is in trouble or you're concerned about. It goes on to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's a hymn, it's a little bit older, but uh, I like it. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. In his arms he'll take and shield thee, and thou wilt find solace there. That's... A relationship with Jesus Christ today that's what he can do for you and finally Jesus Christ is not just our rescuer and he's not our friend in present day but he's our hope for the future a hope that is enduring that his promises are true and they will happen The Bible says in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world, the world, that's me, and that's all of you, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's that restored relationship with the Lord Jesus. So Jesus is our rescuer, our true rescuer. He's our help in present needs, and he's our hope for the future. And we, we live our lives accordingly. I could have died on 9-11. A lot of other people could have also. There were some that did. Almost 3,000 souls murdered by an enemy. Bright blue skies. Nobody thought that that day would be the day their life would be required of them. But it was. That was the day. So we need to, we need to make a decision about what we're going to do with, with this Jesus Christ, how he's going to impact our lives. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, you have not accepted him as your Savior, don't leave here without doing that. Today could be the day, just like 9-11. Today could be the day for you to, to die. And if you are a Christian, we should feel a sense of urgency that there are people who, who need the good news of the gospel. They need to be told. They need that information. They need to be rescued by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should be bold in in proclaiming that good news. Nine eleven was a horrific event. And it reminded us of so many things. Thank you.